just to give us a little bit of review of what uh, we've been going through here and talking about, of course, we had, uh, you know, Resurrection Sunday got in the way of my series. Just kidding. Just kidding. But here's, a, here's just a couple of things that we've discussed so far. And, and this, is a, this, is a major, this is a major point that we have to get in this transformation portion. He's redeemed us by the blood of Christ. What am I getting redeemed from? And it bothers me that we as Christians don't know what we've been redeemed from. And the reason I say that we don't know that is because we don't act any different than we did before we came to Jesus. Now, not us here. I'm talking about those other churches that I was interim. God's people don't get it. We're, we're redeemed and we, oh yeah, okay, I'm, I'm saved, I'm, I'm born again, you know, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins, okay. So then, what happened to you after that? What, what are we doing with that? And so I want us to come back and review that God has exclusive rights that he's given to himself that he did not give to you and I. And remember a couple of weeks ago that when we talked about how we came from Adam and all that sin just transfers from one generation into the next generation. That's why that passage about uh, to, to him who is able to, to do exceedingly abundantly according to the power that works in us to, to him be the glory in the church in Christ Jesus and to all generations forever and ever. So there's, there's a something that happened, a DNA change, if it were. There was a DNA code in me that, that would just led me to sin constantly. And here's what the sin was. Whenever I want to become God, I'll do these things. I will have absolute power and control over everything. That's what he's reserved for himself, absolute control. Now, I say absolute control. Okay, do you trust God no matter what? And that's easy for us to say until something happens to us emotionally or something doesn't go quite the way that we think it ought to or the authority figures in our life fail us or if our father fails us, or if our mother fails us, or if our sister fails, or somebody backstabs us, somebody does something that irritates us, we fail miserably at saying, okay, God, you're not in control anymore. I am. I'm going to make sure that I can control that so that never happens to me again. I want to be in control. And the redeemed people still are trying to pick up what God has reserved for him alone. I've, as the older I get, the more I realize I can't control, I can't even control my wife. It's true. The other thing that God reserves for himself is right judgment. He alone can judge rightly. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't make some decisions about things, that we can't have wisdom in, in, in understanding that, you know, the what's right and what's wrong. I'm not, I'm not saying that we don't have those kind of choices. He gives us the, the ability to know the difference, but we can't condemn. That's his job. He reserves that for himself. And yet here we are, God's people, 
trying to control, condemning other people. The other thing that he reserves for himself is total praise. He's worthy of praise. I'm not. And neither are you. Now, that doesn't mean you can't say thank you to somebody or say, I appreciate you. But you know, our response when somebody says thank you and I appreciate you is, well, praise be to God. When you say, hey, that was awesome praise and worship this morning, they say, well, praise be to God. See, even that. See, your life as a Christian isn't about receiving praise. That gets rid of the who's the greatest. Remember the disciples were always fussing and arguing over who's the greatest, right? <laughs> Even after the last, the last Supper, they get into an argument about who's the greatest. And Peter's going, I'm greater than John. And John's going, you are not. See, that's that praise thing. We want to be praised it's okay to be appreciated and we should appreciate each other and be appreciated absolutely but praise belongs to him a mature christian deflects praise they don't receive praise they deflect it so when somebody says hey good job good job bob wherever he went he was over here where's bob good job bob good job brock well praise be to god that's okay to say that because that's where it belongs. It belongs to him. All right, so sin then, when sin enters into the world, sin is our attempt or man's attempt to rob God of what belongs totally to him. That's what gets us in trouble. Put that up there. That's what gets us in trouble. Come on, you can do it. Man's attempt to rob God of what is reserved for him alone. That's what sin is. Sin creates that, rather. Sin causes that. We want to do things our way. We want to have all the praise, and we want to judge everything that's going on because we are right and everybody else is wrong. Am I talking to anybody here? That'd be me. I'm, I can be, those of you that know me know that I'm really a nice guy. And you can't help it but love me. But sometimes I want to be in control. Sometimes I think I'm worthy of praise and I'm greater than somebody else. Sometimes I reserve the right to judge somebody else and what they're doing. Now, you don't have that problem, but I do once in a while. And what that means is that we're not quite there yet. Or maybe we've just missed something in our whole, this whole transformation. So let's look at a couple of passages here in, in, in Ephesians that talk about to the praise of his glory. Giving us some reasons to praise God. All right, so the redeemed praise God for his grace, his adoption, and his Holy Spirit. Listen to these passages. Verses 5 and 6, it says, He predestined us to adoption as sons through Christ Jesus to himself according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed upon us in the beloved. That's awesome. So we're adopted, right? You're adopted. How many are adopted in here? Good. If you're not adopted, you're not saved, remember? All right, verse 12 then says, we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. Now he's referring to that first generation of those that were saved by Christ himself and the, the, 
the, the, the apostles. That's a word, the apostles. You know, the 12 apostles. He's referring to those who were that first generation of people that understood that the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, came up out of the grave not to rule in Jerusalem and to overthrow Rome, but to rule in the hearts of people. God's throne up there, because of Christ's sacrifice, became the throne in here. His kingdom that's up there becomes the kingdom in me according to the power that's at work within me. Your memory verse, according to the power, what's at work in me? Kingdom power. And the only reason kingdom power can work in me is if the king is in me. No king, no kingdom. All right. And then he goes on and he says, and also the praise of his glory. So every generation... Every generation has an opportunity to give glory to God and praise him for that generation coming to, to the knowledge of salvation through the blood of Christ, the forgiveness of sin. Every generation. Our job is to make sure that the next generation knows what we know. Why? For the praise of his glory. And I've got to tell you, I'm not so sure that we've done a very good job of that. Just a thought. As I look around, and you do too, and you go, what the heck is going on? Because we just live like the rest of the world. We do whatever the world is doing, and we just copy that rather than being transformed by the renewing of our mind. We're still conformed to the ways of the world. The king of this world is operating our life, and the king of glory well, we just want to know who he is and a little bit about him so we can feel good, so we can be comfortable. And then he says in verse 14, I love this, the Holy Spirit of promise who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view, a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. So the Holy Spirit in us gives us that down payment. It's like when you buy a house. You know, you're going to have a down payment or the bank isn't going to loan you the money. So you have a down payment of the inheritance that you have waiting for you. Now, where we go wrong is we think that that inheritance is after I'm dead. And a, a big majority of that inheritance is going to be there. Okay. Hallelujah. But you've also received an inheritance now. The kingdom is here now. Not when you necessarily just get there. It's here already. But in order for the kingdom to be here now, I've got to walk in the rules and the authority of the king of that kingdom. And that's missing today. So, besides praising God for what he's done, let's see what else praise does. Praise brings God's presence. Let me... That's next. <laughs> Praise brings us to his presence, number one. Praise brings us into his presence. And you know that from Psalm 100. There's a lot of psalms about this. Condensing things, we're just going to do Psalm 100. Here's what it says. Is it up there? Put it up there. 
All right. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing, fill in the blank. Know that the Lord himself is God. Who's God? Who's in control? Who's the righteous judge? Who's worthy of praise? Oh, you guys got it. Just go home. It is he that's made us and not we ourselves. I like that because that reminds me of who I am. Now, I know who I am in him, but I didn't make me. He did. He knit me together in my mother's womb. He was in there somehow going, knit one, pearl two. Knit one, pearl two. And the angel says, what are you doing? He says, I'm making a John. And you know you can never have too many Johns. He made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. I don't want to be a sheep. Bye, 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 bye. So, entered then into his gates with thanksgiving. That's what we did. And into his courts with praise. We're entering in. That's why in a church service, you need to enter into, that's why we have praise, and that's why we continue to praise, and that's why we love praise. Because we want to praise our way in. It's not like, it's not like God is somewhere, and we've got to, you know, we've got to, religion does that. Oh, you've got to do this, and you've got to do that, you've got to do this, and you've got to do that. And, and the Lord's just saying, you know what? If you want into my kingdom, just praise your way in. The doors will be open for you. And that's the good thing to remember because when, when you're really getting down and you're all discouraged and you're all depressed, click the button that says, I'm going to praise the Lord. And begin to praise him or get into the Psalms and begin, to, and begin to praise God through those Psalms and through his word. If you've got a DVD of... John and the worship team singing, and they should be putting one together for us. Really. And you can take those home with you, and you can push that button, and you can say, man, we entered into God's presence. Right? See, that's what we do. I watch when we're singing and we're praising God, it's just kind of like something begins to happen. It's like, no, no we're not moving. Other, other than, you know, being, you know, we're we're not Presbyterians here. We do move when we're just kidding. So we, so we do move when we're praising the Lord and worshiping. That's okay. But it's not like we're moving in, but there's something happening inside of us. There's a movement towards God in that. I, I, I watch people when they're praising God, it's tears. Just move. This moves. It's not music that's moving us. It's we're entering into that presence, that holy of holies spot. That's pretty good. That's what we want. I always tell you, you no, know, if God doesn't show up here, I don't want to be here either. And we enter into his presence with singing, no matter how bad it is. When you walk through those doors, you can have a, a terrible day. You just kick the dog when you're on your way out. And he got you in the yard because you had something on your foot. 
and I hope you wiped it off before you came in. So does Mike. You've got to clean it up. You had an argument with your wife or your kids. Don't make me come back there. You pull in the driveway, and, and you're still grouchy, and something is transforming you in the driveway. I've watched it. I hope it isn't too long there today. If it is, I'm getting up and leaving. And you get out of the car and you head towards the church. How are you doing today? Oh, fine, brother. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know what? That's okay. You're getting it, see? And that's what we do is we, we get rid of that crabby, crappy attitude that we carry with us, even as the redeemed of the Lord. Instead of saying, God, we praise you, the redeemed of the Lord is saying, so... And then we enter into his presence and something begins to take place. And just for that little while, the Spirit of God begins to touch us and talk to us and take you guys, you know, I'm speaking here right now about something. He might be taking you out on the South 40 someplace just talking to you. For some of you, he's, you know, loving on you, hugging you. For others, he needs to and he's doing it. He's beating you with a stick. Discipline. All right, give thanks to him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. And aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that he still loves that guy that comes in the parking lot still crabby and has a crappy attitude? He still loves him anyway. I'm glad. His loving kindness is everlasting. His faithfulness to all generations. Now, the reason that we come in like this is because we recognize also in that time that I'm not God, that he alone is God. And James 4, 6 says, God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so even during that praise time, it's not a time of, oh, look at me, how I'm praising, or look at them, how they're praising, or why is this and why is that? It's, it's a time to say, you know what, God? I'm humbled because of your presence in my life. All right, I got to move quickly here. The next thing is, is that, is that all the time I have left? Three minutes? Really? I'll speak in tongues and we just go home. Is that it? No, it's only 11.06. Okay. The next thing is, is that praise, I'm almost done. Praise brings God's presence to us, which is more better. Okay? We enter into his presence, and then he comes to us. That's neat. Second Chronicles 5, 11 through 14. This is when King Solomon is dedicating the temple. They moved from the tabernacle. They're building a temple. David wanted to build it. God said, no, you're a man of war. But he said, I'll make sure that you have, you have enough material so that your son can build the temple. He'll build it. Solomon will build it. Solomon built it. Sacrifices all these sheep and everything else and goats and whatever. And, uh, 
and he appoints singers that, that David had. The, the priests and the Levites were there. Listen to what it says. When the priest came forth from the holy place, for all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without regard to divisions, and the Levitical singers and their sons and kinsmen clothed in fine linen, hmm, with cymbals, harps, and lyres, or 12-string guitars, or whatever, standing east of the altar, and with them 120 priests blowing trumpets or shofars at ram's horn. I was going to bring mine this morning. I should have. But in, in unison, when the trumpeters and the singers were to make themselves heard with one voice to praise and glorify the Lord, and when they lifted up their voice, accompanied by trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music, and when they praised the Lord, saying, he indeed is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Same thing that happened in Psalm 100. Then the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud. And so all they could say was, holy smoke. <laughs> now, I don't have a problem with smoke machines. I really don't. I mean, some people get all bent out of shape. Oh, there's smoke. Okay, where's the smoke? Yeah, it's just, that's yeah, a visual. But I would rather have the holy smoke than the smoke machine produces. I'm okay with the visual. That's okay, fine. That, if that trips your trigger, oh, they got smoke. Okay. I want the holy smoke. I want the Shekinah glory to fall on this place. And whenever that happens, you know what? I've seen it happen. And when it does happen... It's going to happen to us just like it happened to them. And this is what happens. The house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priest could not stand to minister because the cloud of the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. When the house is filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit, and he doesn't use the door. He can come up through the floor, down through the ceiling, and then through the side walls. But there's such a weight of his glory. I've seen it happen. There's such a weight of his glory that you can't even stand up anymore. Now, wouldn't that be something? Now, somebody can say, well, that makes me nervous. I'm sorry. You want God to show up or not? Why is it that whenever God shows up, people get nervous? What's with that? We say we want more of God, but when he really shows up, then we go, oh, that was weird. God is way above us. And when it says that he filled up his, this place with his presence and they just fell flat on their face or they were unable, they weren't watching the clock. They went all day, by the way. But that particular day, he even stopped the priest. He stopped the preacher flat and knocked him out probably. I don't know what he did to him, but they couldn't, they couldn't do any ministry. But the presence of God was ministering all by himself. And there's times when God shows up like that, he really doesn't need anybody else. <laughs> I love it. All right. Now notice in this presence of God didn't just happen because they were singing a song or because they had a, a series of worship sets. As good as that is, plan it, keep planning. But it didn't happen because they were singing a song. There was a preparation connected with his presence. 
There was a preparation connected with the praise that led to his presence, and we missed that. You can sing all you want to and praise the Lord and, put, and push the button and pray, play all kinds of praise songs, but it will never free you from sin. You cannot praise your way out of sin. It takes a humble heart. With a humble heart I come, bowing down before your holy throne. Yeah, I come boldly there because of the blood of Christ, but it's with a humble heart. Our worship team has a humble heart. They do. They're not there to receive any kind of applause rewards, anything else. If they are, they're in the wrong spot. It, they're disqualified. They disqualified themselves. I didn't do it just because there's a preparation time. In the priesthood in those days, there were, there were divisions. They're not talking about, you know, I'm mad at you kind of thing like it is today. But they, they had divisions so that there was priests that served for a, a period of time and then another division of priests would serve another period of time, so, that, so there was a rotation. So that's like we do here with nursery and children's ministry, is there's enough people to make it work. If everybody works in harmony and rotation, there shouldn't be a problem, right? I love my job. I'm telling you, I'm out of here soon, so, you know. Preparation plus praise equals his presence. Being right with God and each other is the praiseworthy formula for his presence. Not just singing songs. The right heart, the right attitude. If you have ought towards a brother, and you don't take care of that, then you're not prepared. When you come to church, when you come to a service, you need to be prepared. God, I'm here. Clean me up. Get rid of my stinky attitude. Help me to stop whining and fussing. Keep me from becoming what's reserved for you, a controller, a condemner, because I'm, I'm the only righteous judge, and I see it clearly. How dare they do that? And I'm greater than anybody else. And those three things have got to be dealt with in every one of our lives. If you don't deal with those, and if I don't deal with those, there isn't any presence. God is a gentleman. He won't hang around with stuff like that. There's some people that God won't hang out with anymore. Doesn't mean he doesn't love them. He's just going, you know what? Unless you clean that up, I'm not hanging out with you. You can cry and whine about my presence just like Esau did. He sought repentance with tears that never came because he never changed his heart. And we have to have a heart change. The last passage that I want to go to here to explain this just a little bit more and break this thing down is Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Let's look at this. Rejoice. Is this too much? Am I going too fast? You with me? Okay. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. What's he say twice? 
Rejoice, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. All right, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. What kind of spirit? What's a gentle spirit? Think about that. We're not gonna, I'm not going to preach my way through this. I'm just going to share some things with you. This is what this looks like. A gentle spirit. Because why? The Lord's near. And I'll tell you, if we, get, if we ever got it into our spirit that the Lord is near, it would change the way we conduct business in the world. The Lord's watching? Uh, yeah. The Lord's listening? Uh, yeah. He's near. Did he see that? Yeah. Does he know the motive of your heart? Absolutely, because he's the righteous judge, total control. So then what's it say? So then don't let your emotions get away from you. Don't be anxious. <laughs> Worried. Oh, I'm, I'm so anxious. What about? Well, I only have 54 friends on Facebook, and they've got 80. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Be anxious for nothing but in everything. What are you supposed to do with it? Come on. What do you do with it? Pray about it. We used to say this. Play it down. Pray it up. Will people irritate you sometimes? Yeah. Will it be me? Probably. At some point. You gonna pray for me then? I hope so. Will I do that with you? Yeah, play it down, pray it up. Don't don't get so full of anxiety that it wrecks your life with God. And then look what happens. With thanksgiving, come with thanksgiving, make those requests be made known to God, even if it's God, you know, do something here. And then it says this the peace of God. What happens? Peace of God that surpasses all comprehension guards your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus like that it's like that helmet that you put on and there's so many people in God's family in God's kingdom that have no peace and the reason I have, know that they have no peace is because they're always giving their peace of mind to somebody else I'm going to give you a peace of my mind well then you're not going to have any in yourself and God's going, if you'll just take that to me, instead of being so filled with anxiety over it and fretting over this, I will give you a peace that passes all understanding. And you'll be able to get, walk around with a stupid look on your face. People can say, what's wrong with you? Say, you know what? They say, why, do I look different? Yeah, you got a stupid look on your face. That's not stupid. That's peace. Well, I don't understand that. I don't understand it either. It's a peace that I can't explain. Because if I could explain it, it wouldn't be the one that came from God. Peace of God. And then finally, brethren, <laughs> and you're saying, finally. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. And the things that you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. We need somebody who will practice these things. If we'll practice these things, another generation will see what we're practicing. 
They're not getting it. We have so much anger. The news was filled with the shooting the other day in the in in synagogue in California. One person killed. The bombs blowing up over in Sri Lanka and, and Christians being killed and Muslims being killed. And, and there's so much hatred. And they were talking about it. There's so much hatred. And I'm going, yeah, there is. And there's so much hatred in the body of Christ. Is it any wonder if we, if we live in a nation that our leaders are so filled with hatred and our news media projects and promotes hatred that the, that the people that live in this kingdom would be filled with hatred? Yeah, but we're in a different kingdom, saints. We're not a, we're not a kingdom of, of haters. We're a kingdom of lovers. By this will all men know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. And I'm not talking about some kind of crazy, oh, well, that's okay. I'm just talking about the, the way that we respond, the way that we react to things in our life. People are watching that. Our children observe how we deal with things. He says this, practice these things. Rejoice in the Lord Develop a gentle spirit. Don't let my emotions rule me. God, don't let my emotions rule me. The times that I'm really struggling the most over with issues, well, and sometimes I, I just want to quit. I, I do, just like you do. I want to quit praying, God, where are you? I want to quit pastoring, God, I'm sick of it. I want to quit. I'm getting too old for this. I want to quit. But you know what? Those are knee-jerk emotional reactions to what somebody said or did or something else. I'll just keep reliving that. As long as I'm rehearsing all that stuff, I'll never move forward with God. And then, Lord, I'm going to take my request to you with thanksgiving. God, I'm just... I'm going to start thanking you, God, for what I have. Thank you for my wife and for my children. I'm going to thank you, God. I want to thank you for this church. I want to thank you for the people that are here. I want to thank you, God. I want to praise you that we're here together. I want to praise you for the things that, are, that I see in their lives. I want to thank you, God, for the gifts that you gave them. I want to thank you, God. You know what happens? Whew. Relief. And when I do that, God's peace guards my mind. And a peaceful mind begins to think on more praiseworthy things. you look really closely at my life there are so many flaws I hate it but surely there's something in there that's praiseworthy and if you can just find it that's what you dwell on and the God of peace will be with me it's moved from the peace of God coming to me and now it's the God of peace. I want the God of peace in me. I'm not satisfied with just having the peace of God. I want the God of peace in me. And whenever that happens, others will praise him for the glory that they see in us. The God of peace be with you. So we Levitical 
priestly prayer over a congregation when they leave. So important to me. Lord, bless you and keep you. And make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the, lift, may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you peace. God's peace is move across this congregation. Not only the peace of God, but now I pray the God of peace just moves across this place. Let it go. Whatever's holding you, let it go. Whatever's keeping you from this God of peace, let it go. You'll be glad you did. Something will happen in your life that hasn't happened yet. Something new will be revealed to you about his kingdom and about our king. 